This is Danny Callip, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Yes, hello, and whilst it may be too early in the season to refer to this Saturday's match at home with Stoke City as a top-of-the-table clash, I would be nothing given the fact that we are top of the league, even after four games, if I didn't lord it up a little bit. The visitors are level with us on 10 points, and this will undoubtedly be our biggest test of the season so far. Will we win four games out of our first five? Joining me to look ahead to the game and also have a quick look back at Tuesday's Carabao Cup victory at Birmingham, Moncton FC's number one, Matt Statoata, and every Weatherspoon barman's nightmare, Matt Baldo Baldwin. My name is Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Well, before we begin, I sometimes do this at the end of the show. So for those of you who never make it to the end, just some Fulham Focus housekeeping and a reminder that you can subscribe to the Fulham Focus podcast if you don't already do so on iTunes, Spotify and wherever else you may care to get your podcast from. Please do also follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Fulham underscore focus and on Instagram, we're just at Fulham Focus. Also, check out our website at fulhamfocus.com, where you'll find plenty of great content in addition to the podcast. Right, that's out of the way then. Good evening, lads. How are you both? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, it's it's nice to see that it's nice to have Fulham being a positive influence in your life because there's, in general, things, you know, it just gives you a little bit of spring in your step rather than being completely downtrodden than we were for the most part of last season. Yeah, the fact that I can have Fulham be the positive light in my life and lead the way is absolutely fantastic. And you, Stato, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm a solid. I'm a solid seven out of ten today, and a good one point five of that is probably because of how good Fulham are doing at the moment. So yeah, we're, we're all good. We're all good. Pleased to hear it, mate. I'm pleased to hear it. Baldo, the last time you were on was after the Borough game. Things have got significantly better since the draw on the opening day. What have you made of the whitest form so far this season? It's been great, hasn't it? It's been fant- it's been fantastic. You know, I can't remember I can't remember the days when it was nice to, you know, start the season off, you know, with a lot with a lot of positivity. Because even in past seasons, you know, there's just been, oh, is it going to be this, 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 this nonsense again? Because you know, go back to the Slav days and we we struggled in the early days. So it's it's been a while since in fact it probably would be the Hodgson 0809 was the last time we actually Right, we're a few games into the season. Right, I'm actually positive about what what's ahead of us, rather than oh crap, we're in for another we're in for another season of dreg once again. So yeah, it's it's been fantastic. As I said on the opening day, we were going to have that old welcome to the championship moment, and we did have that with the Borough equaliser. But we've managed to bounce back incredibly well with with uh, four straight wins. So it's fantastic. Sheffield United, of course, are finding out just what it's like to be under Slavita Djokanovic's stewardship. I, I hope they give him a chance because we did and, you know, we, we did quite well out of it in the end. But it's it's been a terrible start for Sheffield United under Slav, hasn't it, Baldo? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, I sort of back you on that. You know, I have no ill feelings towards you know, Slavisa and everything what he did. So I don't want to see him fail. Not, you know, not unlike Scott Parker, who I do want to see fail. But yeah, <laughs> Slavisa Ganovic, I do hope that he's given a chance because he's, he's a decent man. Sheffield United are a decent run club. I've got no ill feeling towards them. So hopefully it does all work out for them. And, you know, hopefully he is given the time. 
Poor old Scott Parker. And Stato, we haven't spoken since the Borough preview when you said you were buzzing for the start of the season. Has it lived up to your expectations so far? I think I also said that we need to be patient because it may take a while for Silver to implement his style. So, yeah, that, 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 that's a lie because we were four <laughs> games in and we we're absolutely smashing it. And yeah, I, I was buzzing for the season start and I'm still buzzing now. Um, like, like Baldo said, it's not often we get off to a good start. And yeah, seeing us up and running already, playing this, you know, attacking, free-flowing football, um, it's so refreshing to see. It's so good to see. And, you know, I, I just hope this can continue for the majority of the season, really. Well, one of the one of the lads was um, was getting a bit of stick on Twitter a couple of days ago. Very unusual for us, and um, and 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 he said in the team chat that he just he uses Fulham as kind of a release from everyday life, and that's that's exactly how I feel about it. But when Fulham are doing crap, then it's very difficult, especially with the last year or so, a year and a half even, of not being able to go to the games to have that release. So now Fulham are doing well again. It's it's nice just to be able to go to games and just enjoy it. It's, it's it's become enjoyable again for me. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of a lot of fans probably became quite disillusioned with Fulham and football as a whole last year because you know it was a rubbish season in the Premier League. Um, just being in the Premier League in general with VAR and all the other just shit that comes in the Premier League. You know, it's not it's not really fun. So, you know, being down in the championship and we're actually winning games and we're winning games convincingly, you know, it it, it is feel good. And it, it is it does, you know, it's kind of making me fall back in love with football again a lot more. And that's probably the same for a lot of other people. And yeah, you know, long may Fulham keep winning because it's just it's just good. <laughs> it's just really it good. It goes in cycles, doesn't it? And like you, your voice just then, when you were talking about the start of the season, you had a spring in your voice and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, but then last season VAR and it completely deflated. It's, it's, it's so tedious to kind of reminisce on those memories, but it does go around in these cycles. And whilst you're on a high and whilst you're doing well, you've got to lord it up. Like I said in my intro, we're top of the league at the moment. We might not be top all season, who knows? But whilst we're there, you've got to enjoy it, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a Norwich fan at my work and I was just speaking to him just about football in general and he's just like, oh, we're in the Premier League again and we're kind of like, we, we kind of alternate with Norwich at the moment in terms of yo-yo-ness. So, yeah. you know, we go up, they go down, vice versa. And, you know, we, it's like, it's like it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Like, to do well in the championship and to have fun means you get promoted, but then when you get promoted, it means you're in the Premier League where it's hard to stay up and, you know, you probably lose most weeks and, the wins you do get, you know, are cancelled out quite quickly by getting demolished by City 5-0 or something like that. So, yeah, it's 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 a weird position to be in. Like, like I said, it comes in it comes in cycles, but, you know, I'm just glad we're in the good cycle at the moment, basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned that, that uh, well, Norwich. Norwich lost 5-0 at City, but... They also beat Bournemouth 6-0 in the Cup last night. Um, so, Scott Parker taking one on the chin there for uh, for Bournemouth. But we did have a good result ourselves. So, let's have a quick look back at Tuesday's win at Birmingham in the League Cup uh, before we look ahead to Saturday's match with Stoke. I think we maybe learned a bit about what we may see happen between now and Tuesday's transfer deadline day with the lineup Marco Silva put out. There wasn't a place in the squad at all for Maxime Le Marchand. 
Cyrus Christie or for Stephen Sessegnon, which to me suggests that it's highly likely their time at the club could be over. What do you think, Baldo? Yeah, I think that it's a pretty uh, strong indicator because even though even though this team itself was pretty strong, you know, there were a couple of, you know, there were the youngsters with Francois and uh, Pagetizi, I probably should have remembered. Uh, Learned how to say that before I came on. Uh, the young cost, the young cost of it. Um, even though there were some youngsters, there were a lot of established players in there, and you know, he he obviously sort of gave his intention that he's you know going to keep the treat the cup semi seriously because he didn't put the the whole under 16s out, for instance. But it's not totally there. But if they're not making that team, then it does kind of indicate to you that they don't really have a future. You know, not even on the bench. You know. As, as an option. If they're not there, then they're not going to be, they're not going to be involved at all. You you think that even if Cyrus Christie was being lined up to fill in for Tete at right back Stato this weekend, that he probably would have played that game just to, just to wake him up a little bit for a, for a bit of first team football. You would have thought that, um, but it, lo- it looks like if, if we're basing Tuesday's lineup on, you know, who will play at the weekend, it will be a doy back in a right back, or we could see Bobby Deckard overread. Who knows what, what Silver's thinking or who he likes at the moment? But yeah, for the players that didn't play, it looks quite clear that you know they will be on their way out, um, which is I think it's what's needed. Um, the squad's quite large; it's a bit floated. It does need thinning out a bit. Uh, I think the lineup on yesterday, or Tuesday, sorry, also highlighted the need you know for some incomings that we still need. Um, although Tyrese Francois and Patches. Sassy, Patches ET, sorry, um, all did quite well. It does highlight how thin we are in centre mid and the need to get some midfielders in still. So I think we will still see some incoming signings. I, I just think we, I think we need need one or two, not not much. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we've got quite a healthy looking squad, and it just needs that little bit of trimming. I think. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I'm going to have a go at pronouncing this guy's name as well. Adrian Payaziti, I would say um, it's pronounced. Um, but it was interesting that he started. Good to see Jay Stansfield start. And for the other players that did start, I guess I was quite surprised by how many first-team players were involved. Alfie Mawson, Nisans Cabano, Bobby Reed, and then even Caballero off the bench, Robinson and Josh Onamore as late late substitutes as well. But we did make 10 changes to the team that started against Hull last weekend. Well, Birmingham made nine from their side that hammered loose and 5-0. We dominated possession with 61%, had 17 shots with five on target, whilst Birmingham only mustered two shots all game. Neither of those were on target. There were nice first goals for the club for the aforementioned Jay Stansfield, cracking goal into the top corner. And also a first goal uh, for Fulham for, for left-back Anthony Robinson as well. Baldo, give me your thoughts on all things Birmingham City away in the cup. Well, I, th- I think that I think that my main takeaway from that is is really is the lineup, you know, because even though you you know you you mentioned that it was you know there were a couple of first teamers, yeah, I think it goes to show what sort of depth we actually have in the squad. You know, it's not first choice championship, but the fact that when it when it is called upon, we can go to Dennis Adore at right back. That's a good selection rather than Kenny Tete. We have Alfie Mawson. You know, to come in for Tim Ream, that's a pretty good championship side. You know, when you know when Tetty and Ream, who we assume is going to be first choice, isn't there. You know, Joe Bryan at left back. You know, we have good options uh, to, to knock into. You know, even Anthony Knockhart. I know he gets a lot of stick, but he's a good championship player. And for him to be a reserve player, I think that's pretty good. I think it shows you know that we've got the squad depth to you know really 
to go through the season. Obviously, there are a couple of players out through injury, Hector, uh, Congolo, Reed, and Kenny and the lot. So there will be other players to come back into it. So that was my main takeaway was just we've actually got a decent squad for the championship. But I really should mention the goal scorers and Jay Stansfield. What that has probably been one of the big talking points this season is you know, who's the who's the backup for Alexandra Mitrovic. You know all this talk about getting uh, getting Moon is in and um, can we get any other player? And you know the fear was, oh, if we don't get anyone, then that means Jay Stansfield is going to be our backup, our backup centre forward. So, and I'm not going to so crown him as the next as the next big thing off one game, but it shows that you know on the one occasion he didn't really have a bad performance. So I'm not really too concerned. Um, if Jay Stansford has to come in for, you know, the odd cup game or the odd league game or whatever, uh, you know, a pretty good debut from him all round. Not say, debut because I think he's not debut because I think he came on in the Man City Cup game a couple of years ago. First proper game, let's put it that way. I think it is encouraging to see Stansfield doing so well. And like you mentioned, Muniz is coming in as well. Um, so, you know, in attack, we have quite a healthy, uh, quite a lot of healthy options now, I think. I don't think Stansfield, you know, will, is anywhere close to kind of breaking through to, you know, the week in, week out leagues yet. He, it's good to have him on the bench, I think. Uh, it would be good to have him as an option, given that experience. Um, but I don't think he's quite there yet. But hey, who knows? He might just crackle and explode into the scene. Um, that could very much happen. Uh, just going back to the whole squad depth, it's good to see players like Hector and Nokar get some minutes under their belts. Uh, I mentioned when I was last in the Middlesbrough preview how... The season was about redemption for a lot of players in terms of they got a stand, they got outcasted. And, you know, seeing Michael Hector back after he was seemingly outcast by Parker was good to see. And I'm, I'm hoping he appears in the squad a lot more now. Uh, I noticed that he has actually been on the bench in any of the league games yet. So to see him back in the starting 11, I hope he can kind of crack on and try and break through back into the team. And also Knockhart, he can't, he, you know, he wasn't great for us during that time in the Championship and he went out on loan to Forest. Um, with all the attacking options we got, I hope he kind of looks at that, looks to see how well all of our attackers are doing. Cabana was kind of flourishing. Harry Wilson was doing great. Bobby Decker is always consistent. Cavalero is doing well. I hope he looks at that and, you know, he, I want him to make that step up to kind of try and break into that team as well. Because if we can get a an informed knockout as well, which is another string we can add to our bow of attacking options, which, you know, is just a good thing. It's got to be said as well, the professionalism that is just running through this squad at the moment, because like you said, Michael Hector, he's not been in it all around the squad yet. So, all right, it was Fulham reserves against Birmingham reserves. But for, for those players to go out and keep a clean sheet and dominate Birmingham City's reserves were, was, was quite a nice thing. And Danny, Danny said yesterday as well that is there a better back five, a better backup back five than... Rodak, Adoy, um, Hector, Joe Bryan, and who was the other centre half last night? Mawson. Al- Alfie Mawson. You know, is there a better second second back five in the division than those ones at the moment? And all right, Alfie Mawson's back in the side at the moment uh, because of injury to Tim Ream, but they've kept the clean sheet. And you know, it doesn't sound like Marit Rodak had an awful lot to do either. So it, it, I, I really like the way that this squad's shaping up at the moment. Our name's in the, in the hat for the third round anyway, and it's always nice to win games, especially in such dominant fashion. Marco Silva's breathing a winning mentality into the club, and it's great to see. We're recording this on Wednesday evening before the draw's been made for the next round. So, Baldo, any preferences to who you fancy is getting in round three? 
I know it's going to be cliche, but I want I want an easy game. I want like I've got the teams in front of me here: AFC Wimbledon, Cheltenham. Uh, uh, who else is there? Rochdale. Those Oldham. I want I want those. Not me. Mainly Oldham, because I want to see. Careful, easy. We lost to Oldham in the FA Cup a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but I just I just want another game where I want I want another game for the youngsters. Effectively, yeah. I want another game of. Uh, Francois and the young Kosovan um, in midfield. Now they want another game with Jay Stansfield up top. Maybe if you want to bring a couple of others in as well. That's what I want. I want to see the youth develop this season as well. And now as well as challenge for the top, I want the youth to develop. So another game for them to get under their belt. That's what I want the most. Wimbledon away would be nice. What do you reckon, Stato? I agree with all those points, but from a completely selfish standpoint, the week that those tyres are going to be played, I'm actually going to be up in the Midlands. I'm doing a trip to Alton Towers. <laughs> so if there is an away game to someone like Villa or Wolves, who are still in the competition, I will Stoke take City. that sadly. Stoke City. Yeah, Stoke. Are they still in the competition? Yeah. At least are according they... to the graphic I've got on Full and Focus. If anything's I... wrong, blame Danny. He's in charge of it. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would take Stoke. Yeah, just a, a nice a nice trip that I can just uh, drive up to quickly whilst I'm up there. Very nice, very nice. All right, mate. All right, let's move on to the Stoke City preview this weekend then. It is, of course, still very early in the season with just four games gone. But a few weeks ago, when you were looking at who would be challenging for promotion this season, the favourites aside from Fulham were West Brom, Sheffield United and Bournemouth. But Stoke have had a surprisingly good start with wins against Reading and Forest at home and a win and a draw against Swansea and Birmingham, respectively, on their travels. It's their best start to a season since the millennium. Stato, has their form surprised you so far? Yes and no. I did see somewhere in the build-up to um, the season that Stoke were down as kind of dark horses to perform well. They made some quite good signings, like players like Sam Surridge, Marco Ranjic, um, uh, ben Wilmot from Watford as well. And they've kind of got quite a nice-looking championship squad there. I think they... Obviously, they got relegated, oh, I mean, what, four or five seasons ago now? Maybe more. And then when they came down, they were in a similar situation to what we were in. They had a lot of lot of baggage that they needed to get rid of, and it took them a while to get rid of it all. A lot of players left on loan. A lot of players just wouldn't lease. They had these all these players on giant wages that just weren't... They couldn't shift and that put them in a lot of trouble, really. But over the last few years, under Michael O'Neill, they've kind of rebuilt slowly and they've got a nice-looking squad now. I think, you know, they're kind of at that point where they can try and challenge for the top six now. So so it wasn't entirely surprising, but I don't think I was expecting them to start as well as they have done so far. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree. I think I think part of that does sort of come down to the manager as well because Michael O'Neill did did an incredible job with you know with the Northern Ireland team for a number of years. You know, upset the odds um, for them and uh, took them to took them to the brink of uh, this this year has just gone. But of course, uh, got knocked out on penalties by I think I think got knocked out by Rodak Slovakia because he was the one that saved the penalty. Um, so yeah, he's he's done an incredible job. And as you say, the players. Um, have made have played a, a huge part in that, but I do think a lot of it does go down to the manager now that he's had, you know, a proper build up, a proper run up to actually go for it. Now he's not juggling the job with Northern Ireland. I think that's that's probably played a big part because I do I do like what do quite like what Mark, uh, Michael O'Neill's uh, managed to do there, mainly based off what he did with Northern Ireland. 
I mean, I'm just looking through their squad list, and you know they've got players, they've got seasoned professionals like Stephen Fletcher, Tom Ince, Nick Powell, Romain Sawyer's. A lot of these players have been in successful championship squads of late, and there's a good blend there with those experienced players, and then a lot of kind of young up and coming players coming through, like Alfie Doughty, who we were linked with a few seasons ago, I think. Adam Davis and Go. Um, Josh Cheeman, uh, Sam Sowell, as I mentioned, players like that. And I've, I've also just realised that they've still got Joe Allen on their books as well. So, you know, there's a Joe good Allen. mix. Joe Allen's given the captaincy at the start of the oh, season. He's only just become captain. Wow, I th- yeah. thought he would have been captain for ages. Yeah, but then there's, me- there's... Messing around on their website the other day, seeing what their, seeing what the story was with them this season. And it was one of the headlines that he'd, he'd been given the captaincy in the summer. That's uh, I, uh, I guess it's because Ryan Shawcross would have left over the summer, maybe. But yeah, there's there's a good blend of experience and youth there, which you know could make them quite a competitive team to go up against. Yeah, that, they weren't even on my radar to be honest when thinking about teams that could be competing for promotion this season. But perhaps they're in the process of losing the long ball merchant tag there when Tony Pulis was in charge. Um, their team goal last weekend, for example, against Forest was something else. It was a superb goal, just pass it across the back and then cover a dummy, a flick and um, all right, the finish wasn't so, so good, but it, it was a, it was a superb goal. Baldo, this is going to be our biggest test of the season so far, isn't it? It is. I think for all the, all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, they've, they've come, they've come out as the dark horse and, you know, they proved that incredibly tough team to beat. You know, we had the, um, as I said, the welcome to the championship moment with uh, Neil Warnock's Borough, but this is probably going to be a different kind of fish because as they showed with their goal, they are willing to, they are willing to attack, you know, rather than, you know, Neil Warnock's type of side that's you know, quite stubborn to break down. So it will surely be a, you know, a big test for our for our defenders, you know, whatever uh, team gets uh, put out, you know, whether or not Tim Ream is back from injury and what have you. So, yeah, it, it, it will be it will be a proper test and, you know, probably something, you know, probably something we, we need because, you know, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself with four wins on the bounce. You know, you need that a bit of a jolt to say, right, this isn't this isn't really going to be HMS Pistol League and everything. You know there are going to be tough tests along the way, so best to get them you know out of the way early so you can learn from it, rather than you know be caught in you know arrogance and all that sort of stuff. Well, you've mentioned Michael O'Neill already. He's been in charge at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium since November two thousand and nineteen when he took over from Nathan Jones, who had a brief stint in charge between spells as Luton manager where he steered them to 15th and 14th place finishes in his two seasons so far. But after adding the likes of Romain Soyuz, as you said, Stato, he's on loan from West Brom at the moment, and the Bosnian midfielder Vrancic, who was released by Norwich in the summer, centre-half Leo Ostergaard on loan from Brighton, and then Sam Sturridge from Bournemouth, um, plus also giving the captaincy to Joe Allen, as I said. Could this be the season they make a bid for a return to the Premier League, Stato, do you think? Or do you think this is just... Early season, good form that will probably peter out in a few weeks. I think this is probably going to be their best attempt to get back up in a long time. Uh, as, as as we said, like they when they got relegated, they were a complete mess, and they've had a lot of managerial changes. They had Nathan Jones. They, they went down with Paul Lambert. Uh, I think was there Gary Bowyer in charge at one point. I might be wrong there, but they they went. They had a, a ton of different managers and. Now they kind of feel settled. They've got that settled squad. They've got a good manager, and yeah, I, th- I think this could be a year. This you know they're, they're going to be one of the dark horses and ones to watch this year. I think. 
All right. Have we done our bit on covering Stoke? Can we get back to being arrogant about Fulham for a minute now? Yeah, I think so. Good. Right. Uh, let's let's uh, let's come on to our lineup prediction for Fulham then. So Tim Ream, Kenny Tesse, and Fabio Carvalho all went off injured last weekend. Question marks over all three of them as to whether or not they will be available for selection or not. Uh, Harry Wilson is available for, for selection again. Plus, there's Rodrigo Muniz as well, who's been given the number 19 shirt today. So he could be involved. Baldo, what's your starting lineup prediction? I don't want to make too bold a prediction because, you know, we're recording this before we know what the latest injury sort of stuff is with with the with um with the with the players you mentioned. So I I think it's probably just safe safe to say, you know, the let's go with the eleven that ended uh the game against um uh, the game against Hull of the weekend. I'd probably you probably would like to see Harry Wilson come in as well because you know, he's the main man. He'll he'll be available, so he'll probably fit in. And then the only thing I can really think maybe uh, Bobby Reed as the you know the number ten behind Mitrovic um, in, instead of Carvalho. In terms of Muniz, I think he'll play, but I I doubt I doubt he'll start. You know you're not you're not taking Mitrovic out of the starting lineup, and unless there's some bizarre formation change coming that we can't see where he puts two of them up top, but I don't see that. So. Muniz will probably come off the bench because you don't want to you know, throw him straight into. He hasn't really had the time to train or get properly fit because of the time he's had in quarantine and getting over here problems. So he'll probably come off the bench probably the last twenty five minutes when we're six 0 up just to get him a just to get him a brief <laughs> run out just to get some minutes under his legs. And if um, uh, if Kenny Tesse isn't available, then Dennis Adoy it right back. You think? Yeah, Dennis Adoy stick with you know, stick with as much of a winning formula as he can. Nice one. How about you, Stato? Do you disagree with any of that? No, yeah, I, I largely agree. Like I said, Adoy in for Tete, Mawson in for Reem, and probably Decadova Reed in for Cavalio. The only kind of question mark for me is who plays and you know out on the wing. Obviously, we've been doing Cabano and Cavalero, and it's been going well. It's been going good. But you know, now we've got Wilson back. Does he does he automatically come back into the team? Even Knockart, does he kind of come back into the team? I don't think Knockart does, but Really, it's between you know, do does Wilson replace either Cabano and Cavalero? And I can't, I can't decide whether he should or not. Whether he should automatically come back into the team or whether he should come off the bench. And I think that's that would be the biggest question mark for me. Do you see us doing much business between now and next Tuesday's deadline day? I think we're just going to sign one or two centre mids. I, depending on who in midfield leaves, if Angisa does leave, if um, I don't think Seri's going to leave at this point. Um, so I, I reckon we'll see, we'll, we'll see one or two incomings, but it'll be nothing, nothing massive, nothing wholesale. I don't think it'll just be just those, just that, that extra bit of reinforcements in that midfield area where we still look a bit light on. I think. Just seen on Sky Sports News now that Will Hughes looks like he's going to Crystal Palace. He was a player that we were linked with in the summer after Watford. Uh, left him out and sent him to the reserves when he refused to sign a new contract. Yeah, it looks like Hughes isn't going to happen. It looks like Matty Grimes isn't going to happen. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very much in the mindset that we do need at least one centre midfielder. But I don't know who's out there at the moment, who we can turn to. Whether there is, there is someone from the Premier League or someone from another Championship club we can sweep him for, or if we just go to our mighty stats machine and get some random player from the Dutch league or someone. So yeah, I, I don't know who's available, but I would expect to see someone coming before the end of the window. 
But if the, if the deadline was to shut now and we kept every player, and this is to both of you, if we kept every player that we've we've currently got and didn't sign anybody else, that'd be good enough, wouldn't it? I'd be happy with that. Yeah. So you're saying no one in, no one out, effectively. Yeah. So what yeah. we have. Yeah, I'd be I'd be quite happy with that. You know, Sedge midfield would then probably be set because you know, you have got the likes of Harrison Reed to come back from fitness eventually. I still hold out hope that Tom Kenny will do something and come back, even if it is in December. I still hold hope. Uh, he probably won't be playing in the advanced number ten. He'll probably be you know back central dictating play a bit more. So you add him into the books. So once you factor all that in, I think central midfield is probably good enough. The forward would probably worry me, but. Again, if you know, if push came to shove, you could put Bobby Reed up as the as the as the main forward. You know, there's Stanfield and as would be a bit worrying, but not overly concerned. But yeah, I I I'd be happy. All right, lads, let's come on to a score prediction for the weekend. Then um, I'm going to go for a convincing three nil. Um, I'm going to stick at it all the way at the top of the league. I'm going three nil. I think. Um, and like I keep saying, I know the fall's going to come at some point. We're, we're going to lose at some point. Um, and, you know, we, we just have to we have to take that on the chin and deal with it when it comes. What do you reckon, Stato? What's the score going to be, mate? Yeah, I'm going to go for a 3-1. I think we will concede, although we did keep a clean sheet last week. We are still susceptible to getting done on the counter, which, which has happened in the last few games. I think still could be a good test for us. Um, no disrespect to Millwall, Hull, Huddersfield, but they're the games we should really be winning. So it's you know still it's good to have this test to see just how good we really are and how you know we've been so convincing against those teams. Will we be as convincing against a team that's in the ascendancy like Stokar? So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I think it'll be a three-one win. I'm going. I'm going for a two-nil win. Although there will be a couple of uh, frightening moments in there. Gazaniga will have his usual oh what the hell is he doing moment that he seems to have every single game. So there will be a couple of frighteners, but I'll I'll say it for a convincing way. Frenchy, just what just while you're here, I got a question. You know you're saying about you know while you're top of the league everything's going great. You know the fall is going to come. Now you you were the only one of us three that was around for the 2000 2001 promotion thing. Was it the same then? Because again this was before my time so I can only go of Wikipedia knowledge but didn't we win every single game up until like mid-October or something along those lines, something really stupid like that. But was that was the same feeling there? Did you still have the same feeling of, oh, the fall was going to come at some point, or were you just enjoying it? We won our first 11 league games of that season. But in all honesty, we, we were a Premier League side in uh, what was then the Division One, the current championship. We, we had Premier League players. We had Boa Morse, Sahar. Barry Hale stepped up. We had Chris Coleman, Mike Taylor, Steve Finnan. You know, all these players were at Sean Davis, Lee Clark. They they were either had Premier League experience already, or you could see that they were going to be able to transfer those skills into the into the Premier League. Um, whereas at the moment, let's be honest, this is still a very similar squad to the one that we went up with a couple of years ago, but with a different manager who's kind of getting the best out of the attacking players, but. It's, there's a massive question mark over whether or not this this team would be good enough at, at Premier League level. There still is, um, but to answer your question, I we we've come up from Division Three under Mickey Adams, then Al Fired bought us. We did really well to get up out of Division Three on a shoestring budget. Al Fired bought us, and the plan was to get to the Premier League. Nobody else outside the Premier League at that time had the financial clout that we had with our fire backing us. And that was before the, the days of financial fair play as well. 
So we were able to sign players as we pleased. And we just bought players that were far too good for the division that we were in. Uh, it was different times. It was different times. And it felt like we were going to win that league from the opening. Uh, actually, not from the opening game. We beat Crew 2-0 on the opening day. But then the second game in, we absolutely tore Birmingham a new one at their place on a Friday night. Trevor Francis said it was the best performance from an away team um, that he'd seen at his ground. And from, from there on in, I was in absolutely no doubt. Whereas now, we, we've just been through the mill a few times over the last few years, haven't we? And we've kind of been beat up as Fulham supporters. And we know that things can go wrong at the drop of a hat. Uh, hopefully they won't this time around. Um, and and I, in all honesty, it is it is arrogance. And I I know I know if opposition supporters uh, are listening to this, then I apologise. But I do think we're going to win the league. Um, and I'm basing that on the fact that our squad is so strong. We've got so much strength and depth, and the quality of football that we're playing at the moment. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Like I said, this this is really the only thing I could really think of that could compare it to and as I said me and Arta weren't weren't around for all of that so I just want to know what the comparisons are and what the feeling is like because there's a lot of confidence you know about the Fulham team you know for the reasons that you just stated I just want to know whether or not it was exactly the same back then but yeah I can I can certainly see where you're you know after your point I can certainly see where you're coming from you know this this squad is not a Premier League side whereas the team back then again from all I've heard you know not just you but in various other times it was a Premier League side so it was probably going to be a walk in the park Whereas for this one, as much as we're covering about it, it probably won't be that easy. Yeah. But did, did we get your score prediction, by the way? Yeah, we did. 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. Two nil. All right. Lovely stuff. All right. Good stuff, lads. Thanks for joining me, as always. And thanks for listening at home. We'll be back on Monday morning to look back at the game. So have a safe week. See you at the cottage on Saturday. Cheers. Fulham.